morning. Hey, one of you was listening. How are y'all doing today? Are we doing okay? Man, Vundabar, we're bilingual up here. Um, what a beautiful day. Man, I know it's chilly outside, but what a glorious morning to look outside and see that bright blue, that bright blue sky and that sun's going to warm up, be beautiful today. Um, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, to look and see each other's smiling faces, to know that um, we came here voluntarily. We wanted to be here. We wanted to be here to worship our Savior and Lord. wanted to look and see the smiling faces of our brothers and sisters. And we have something to celebrate, something to rejoice in. And I'm glad you're here. Um, if you're visiting with us, would love for you, if you don't mind, uh, there might be a blue card in the pew somewhere around you. If not... You can take your phone, the camera app, scan that little QR code in the, in the bulletin. It'll take you to an online bulletin. Scroll down to the bottom. You can fill out a connection card. If you're visiting with us online, all you need to do is just scroll down to the description in the video, and you'll be able to click on a link. It'll take you to the same spot. We just want to know that you're here with us today. But we are so glad um, that we can be together today and that uh, you have joined us. Uh, just a few announcements to make before we get started. First of all, tonight um, at 6.30, we will have the children's Christmas program. Looking forward to that. Kids will recreate the, the nativity, and so we really look forward to that. After it is over, there will be uh, refreshments in the fellowship hall. Um, Marcia, do I need to say any more about that? Anybody that's welcome, anybody who wants to, you're welcome to make cookies. So please uh, feel, f- you'll, you'll, you'll eat cookies, okay. I think you're not the only one. Um, also, Wednesday night, we will not have any activities here at the church. Um, next Sunday, I wanted to remind you that uh, our church supports Arctic Barnabas Ministries, which supports pastors and missionaries and their families up in Alaska. And then also, uh, they do some ministry over into Russia. And we support Shelby and Debbie Smith. Uh, They will be here next Sunday morning. And during the time where we normally have the children's sermon, uh, they will share with us about uh, how God's using them there in Arctic Barnabas Ministries. Also next Sunday night um, is our December business meeting. Uh, And if you want to take a look at the agenda. It is on the board in the foyer. Um, If you need to add any item to the agenda, just make sure to talk to me before Wednesday and we'll get that added. Um, I think that's all I need to announce at this point. Anyone have any announcement that you need to make? Anyone? Well, all right. Well, we are going to continue in this season of Advent. We're going to light our Advent candles for the day. Isaac's going to be our candle lighter this morning. Come on up, sir. And we have been celebrating Advent. Remember, Advent simply means arrival. And during the Advent season, we remember that Christ came once, but he's coming a second time. We always enjoy looking back at the Christmas stories uh, in Matthew and and, uh, Luke Uh, And even earlier in John, before Jesus was ever human. um, And we remember that he came in glory. And he will come again in glory. Advent's also for us a time of preparation. We're reminded that because Christ is coming again, um, he's going to come for for his people. And and he wants to find us people of faith, uh, people of holiness, people of courage, spreading his word. Um, And then... Knowing that he's going to come a second time, uh, there's, there's a limited time for us to tell our friends and our neighbors about the Savior who left the joy of heaven and came to earth, that he might live a perfect life, die in our place, and be resurrected on the third day for our salvation. So that's why we, we celebrate Advent. Um, as we have done the past few weeks, we're going to have a um, responsive reading together, so... I'll read what's labeled leader, and then we'll chime in together on the slides labeled all. The first Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of hope, remembering the hope which comes in Christ. Last Sunday, we lit the candle of peace, reminding us that Christ is our peace. And today, we light the candle of joy, 
Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never fear again, fear evil. And on that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, Rejoice. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let's stand and worship together.
By way of reminder, um, it is that time of year when we give to the International Mission Board through Lottie Moon Giving. Um, notice in the bulletin, if you can go to the next slide, uh, there's $185 million goal. Can you go to the next slide? $185 million goal um, for the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and just to let you know what that's going for. I got this from the IMB this week. It says 155,473 people are dying daily without Christ. There are 7,283 unreached people groups. It's not that they're unengaged. They are unreached. And there's 4.5 billion unreached people in the world. Last year, 2020, IMB reports 86,587 baptisms. 247 new people groups and places engaged. 422 missionaries, new missionaries, 769,494 people heard the gospel witness, 18,380 new churches planted, and 144,322 believers. And that's, that's awesome. So that's what our money goes to. Our church goal is $6,500, and at this point we have raised, we have given $1,900. And I want you to know, when you give, what does your money do? $10 provides one month of missionary training. $100 provides supplies for a missionary to serve in a refugee camp for a week. $300 provides a one-year license renewal for a missionary doctor. $2,500 provides one-year homeschool curriculum for missionary kids. So you see, there's, there's more that goes into it than, than just curriculum and spread of the gospel, although it, all of it together... Uh, helps support the one main goal, which is to share the gospel with people around the world, to reach those unreached peoples. And so uh, this morning we're going to watch a video uh, to remind us again that the need is great and we're called to give and uh, use this as an opportunity to thank God for what He's doing and let the Lord lead you in your giving. When I first came, I thought it was capable for the task. There were so many different things that I had to die to and realize I have no power to do these things. I'm just asking God to do for them what I cannot do. Show yourself to your people. Show up. We wanted to go to where there was lostness, northern Mozambican coast. The centuries of Islam that were there, witchcraft. My first thought is, what have I done? How am I going to be effective? 
This is the beginning of a battle. We came in 2004. With my one-year-old firstborn. All of our kids come and minister together with us. Children open the door to build those relationships with the women, how to share their faith, how to reach out to their families, where it was much more close to the gospel. But there is a sacrifice involved. Witchcraft in this culture is what sustains their life. Who you marry, your health, whether or not you catch fish. Infant mortality rate is high. They live in fear of something happening to their children. When people come to Christ, for them it is a life and death decision. Is this worth my life? Adelina was a very well-known wish doctor. After about a year and a half, we're getting ready to pray, and Adelina just says, I want to get rid of my witchcraft and take down the wish doctor hut. So Sunday afternoon, after church, when that wall fell down, it was just a complete release to God. I no longer need to be afraid of these things. Our work in the local village has spread across the bay through the influence of, of family members. They had made professions of faith. We're starting to see national believers go out as missionaries through persecution, through hard times. God has galvanized their faith far beyond anything that I could teach. Be still and know that I'm God. Adelina starts telling her story about how she has new life in Christ. God has been faithful to show himself in ways that I never would have expected him to show himself. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit. That tide is turning and momentum is building that God's kingdom is coming to this coastline. swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priest I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed.
who else has to pay for it. It doesn't matter. Who else has to give up everything for them to be happy? But we have something greater in Christ, and that's joy. And joy is not determined by what other people do. It's not determined by our circumstances. It's determined by the fact that God loves us regardless of what we do.
pray that today that your gospel would just overwhelm us. And that through Shannon you would speak and you would say things that our hearts need to hear. And you would lead us to repentance. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. If you would please take your copy of God's Word, turn to the book of Luke, <clears throat> very familiar passage, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. If you did not bring a Bible with you, you should find around you somewhere a hardback black one. If you'll turn to the back of the Bible where the New Testament is, you will find, and turn to page 44, you'll find Luke chapter 2. We're continuing through an Advent sermon series called The Weary World Rejoices. Um, I'm sure you've heard about it. We're going to pray about, uh, pray for these people at the end of the service. But I know that you probably are aware of the tornadoes, the the horrible storms that swept through, um, I think, parts of Arkansas um, and Kentucky. And... um, it's, it's a great loss. I saw a, a dr- some drone footage. You know, drone fly. You probably know this too. Flies and takes pictures. Rodney's got one. Um, and uh, they showed some of the damage. And it was extensive damage in a place called Mayfield, Kentucky. But I know that there's um, quite a bit of damage. Life lost. Um, this reminds us that... There are times um, in our lives and the lives of those around us that there's just going to be hardship um, and, and a sense of weariness, I think, that will come over us um, because we're just tired of the fight. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You just kind of get tired of the fight against the fallenness and the evil and the brokenness of the world. And Advent reminds us um, that we have ample reason to rejoice. So the title of this morning's sermon, The Weary World Rejoices, Good Tidings of Great Joy, from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Again, this is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and this is God's Word. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first, was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed. I'm going to stop right there and just explain. This is not taxation. This is like a census. It's an enrollment for a census. So just to explain that. So, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. 
But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes to the beauty of your handiwork in this passage. Show us that you do not leave joy to chance with us. We thank you for the joy that is available in Christ. Lord, help us to take hold of it each day. Make it our own. Claim it as our own. Enjoy it. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. If I could um, present to you just a, a general one, state, one sentence statement about what I think. It's definitely going to be a, a what the sermon is arranged around. But what I think sums up, um, in, at least in some sense, what this passage is about, it would be this. That finding joy in Christ does not happen by chance. Finding joy in Christ does not happen by chance. Well, why don't people just on their own, why are people not able to find joy? Joy in Christ. Well, I think we understand that. There is a fallenness, a brokenness. We could call it a radical moral corruption. Whatever we touch, we, we contaminate with sin. From head to toe, even our best um, actions are contaminated with sin. Good people still do bad things. So why don't people find joy in Christ? I think the answer, first of all, that we have to lay on the table is that every person born into this world, save our Savior, was born into radical moral corruption. So people, first of all, they don't know instinctively what joy really is. If we were to try to describe joy, we'd obviously not equate it with happiness. We could say it's a response to God, which we see in this text, verse 20, to God and or circumstances. And joy is an inward reality. We know we have feelings of joy in our life. And they don't stay inside, they come out. We express them outwardly. Now there is a, a closeness between gladness, happiness, and joy. But joy is more of a state of being than it is an emotion. In fact, in, in James chapter 1, James tells his readers, count it all joy. We'll get to that passage in just a moment, which indicates to us that joy really, in some sense, much of the time is a result of choice. So you think of these people who are in Arkansas and Kentucky, those who are Christians, those who got up today and rejoice, even though they may have lost everything, they still have their lives, and their standing before God has not been affected in one way through this disaster. They have reason to choose joy today. But people don't know really what joy is. Secondly, I think people, the reason why people don't find joy in Christ naturally is that they go looking for joy in earthly things. And that is so common. Even, And I would venture to say that if we had time, and some of you are willing to share, you might even say, I find a little bit more joy in X, Y, Z. I, I, I really get a lot of joy from that. And, and maybe even more than what you have in Christ, what you experience in Christ. But we go from relationship to relationship, from purchase to purchase, from experience to experience, thinking that this thing, when I get to this place and I have this thing and I do this, that it will bring me joy. And then we find that there's emptiness in what we thought would bring us joy. Third reason I think people don't naturally find joy in Christ is that they don't know that, it, that true joy is only available in Jesus Christ. When God made human beings, He hardwired us for joy. You and I are hardwired by our Creator, fearfully and wonderfully made in our mother's womb for joy. But we are hamstrung in our search for it. And that's why God, if we're going to find joy in Christ, He's got to take the initiative. It doesn't happen by chance. In fact, God will not leave it to chance. 
He plans wisely and he purposefully and powerfully works to accomplish his plans. And he does this both for his glory and for our good. Now Paul in Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 and 5, he comments from a different perspective uh, somewhat about what was going on uh, in Luke chapter 2. He says that, but when the fullness of the time was come... God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Well, the fullness of the time that Paul refers to, we find in chapter 2 of Luke, verse 1, it came to pass in those days. This was the fullness of time. And then in verse 11 where it says, where the angel tells the shepherds, for unto you is born this day. See, the fullness of time, all that God had been doing in the past in redemptive history, had now, and you think about it like this, the pregnancy of the fullness of time was about over. Or the pregnancy of, that all of it had been leading to the fullness of time uh, was about over. It had come. But there was one prophecy. There's probably more. Maybe some that I've missed. But there's one prophecy about Christ that was yet unfulfilled. We find it in chapter 5, verse 2 of the prophet of Micah. It says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. This was prophesied some time before Christ, but... I think we understand that it is talking to us about the fact that Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem. But where is He right now? Jesus is in Nazareth, right? In the womb of His mother. Now, could Jesus move Himself to Nazareth? No, He couldn't. So how would God see to it that this prophecy would be fulfilled? I'm no expert on women, especially no expert on pregnant women, but I I think I'm 100% on this, that being great with child, Mary probably wasn't too fired up about traveling. I think that's a pretty safe bet. But the thing is, God would leave nothing to chance. God would make sure that every I of His Word was dotted and every T crossed. So how would God see to it this prophecy would be fulfilled? Well, we see... And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. So Joseph is going, but then also the word records to be taxed with his wife, with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So here we have the superpower of the world. You know, we could fret about Iraq and Iran and about North Korea, but they hold nothing to God. Now, people might say, you look at verse 1 and it says, and it came to pass. Just happened, right? Just so happened that, that the superpower of the world called for there to be a census so that people could be enrolled for the purpose of determining how much tax they need to be, that the Roman Empire can receive from its citizens. Just came to pass, just chance. Well, we know that's not true. Psalms, I'm sorry, Proverbs 21.1 says this, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. God may be in heaven, but He is Lord of earth. So in verses 6 and 7, Jesus is born. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished. The fullness of time had come that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her son, firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So here we we see that Luke records for us that Christ was born, but no one knows at this point, right? 
How would God make his word known? How would he let people know that there was a great event that had taken place? Well, the Lord of earth is also the Lord of heaven. Notice what he does. Verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's how God would let people know that his son was born. See, the angels are God's messengers, his ministers. Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21 says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. The Lord of heaven and earth, let the world know that his son was born. And so the shepherds take the hint from the angels, you know, they, because the angel said, there will be a sign for you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now, I don't know about you, but this seems like quite the scavenger hunt, like a needle in a haystack, because Bethlehem is, is swelled almost to bursting. There had to have been more babes there in Bethlehem that day. But see, God wants people to find the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the shepherds actually do find him. Notice how it says, verse 15, Let us, this is what the shepherds say to one another, Let us now go. Let's go right now and see this thing which has come to pass. Verse 16, And they came with haste, and they found baby Jesus. But yet, this is just shepherds that know. This is, according to verse 10, this good news, according to the angel, he says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So how is God going to make his good news known to all people? Well, if you look at verse 3, it says that all went to to be taxed, everyone to his own city. So here we have... Uh, Joseph and Mary and and the Lord Jesus Christ coming to Bethlehem. And when they get there, verse 7 says, there was no room for them in the inn. Now, that gives us an indication. There were quite a few people there in Bethlehem. So God set it up to where, notice again, verse 17, talking about the, the, the shepherds, after they had seen the Lord Jesus Christ, just as the angel told them, It says, verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. In other words, the Lord led them to the Lord Jesus Christ and then provided an audience for them right there in Bethlehem because of this census. And the shepherds spread the word abroad to everyone who would listen. And then what did the shepherds do? Well, in verse 20 it says, And the shepherds returned. So they went back to their flocks, to their normal everyday jobs. But they weren't the only ones who went back to their normal everyday life. Once you got enrolled, you would go home too, right? So how would God spread the word of His Son, Jesus Christ? Through people. Getting people together and letting them hear the good news. And see, this is not unusual for God. In fact, this would not be the last time that God gathered people, a big group of people, and then would do or announce something big. He did it here with this registration, this census for the purpose of taxes where Christ was born. The angels tell the shepherds. The shepherds tell everyone they can. But then also, do you remember when Christ was crucified? What brought people to Jerusalem? It was Passover. So God gathered people so that they might see a crucified 
Christ. You remember when Pentecost took place? There were people in Jerusalem. Why were they there? Because of the Festival of Weeks, also known as Pentecost. So when God, when the Holy Spirit was given to the church, when the church was born, God did it with an audience. And notice how it affects the shepherds. We see their joy. Remember, joy doesn't stay inside. It it comes out. And you see in verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And that word in the King James here where it says, As it was told them, in other translations, and I agree with this translation, just as it was told them. In other words, they went and found it, and everything the angel told them was exactly true. You see, God doesn't leave our joy in Christ to chance. I think it's a good time to be reminded that God's goal was salvation throughout the whole earth. He says in Isaiah 49, 6, and He said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light unto the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. God had through this event, begun to spread the news of salvation to the end of the earth. What a glorious thing. That's 2,000 years ago though, right? At least, more more than 2,000 years. How will God make joy in Christ known to you? Well, you're here today, right? You might think, well, you know, I just didn't really want to be here today, didn't really want to come but I came because I'm with somebody or whatever it is. But you are here today. And I want you to hear, put yourself, when you hear the word you or ye, put yourself in in this this statement from the angels. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, you, is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A Savior who left the joy of heaven to bring the joy of salvation to the lost. Hebrews 12.2 says, talking about Christ, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I believe that part of the joy that was set before Christ was the obedience of His Father, to His Father in the crucifixion. But I also feel that the other part, it's not out of the, the boundary of possibility that the joy that was set before Christ was the joy of seeing people get joy from Him. That they find their satisfaction fully in Him. He is Savior. He laid down His life for lost people. He's also Christ, the Anointed One. There is salvation in no one else. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. And He is Lord. If you have placed your faith and your trust in Him, there is no higher authority that can undo what Christ has done for you. Unto you this day is born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So I want to encourage you today, if you've never received Christ as Savior and Lord, hear the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.2. For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Now is the day of salvation. We didn't sing this verse, but this morning we sang the song, Angels uh, from the Realms of Glory. Sinners wrung with true repentance, doomed for guilt to endless pains. Justice now revokes the sentence. Mercy calls you. Break your chains. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn King. This risen Christ, crucified and risen, ascended to heaven. And your joy is as safe and secure as Christ Jesus himself is in heaven. 
Psalm, Psalm 16 verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, let's cross-reference that with Romans 8.34. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. Your joy sits at the right hand of God. Well, you might ask, how do I experience joy here if Jesus is there? He said, it's to your benefit that I go away. For if I go away, I will send the counselor, the helper. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? One of those is joy. Christ rules and reigns for your joy. He says in James 1, verses 2 through 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God is working through the things that break us down. And listen why. Romans 8, 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and who are called the called according to his purpose. In John 15, when Jesus talks about, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and my Father, he prunes the vine, he cleanses it to make it more fruitful. And he says in verse 11, These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Christ is working for your joy. So what is your only comfort in life and death? that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Christ is working for your joy. And He is preparing for your ultimate joy. He says in John 14, verses 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And one day we look forward to this. When our Savior returns, when our joy is made full, Revelation 19.7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and His wife has made herself ready. Before you and I were ever born, God was working for our joy in Christ. Christ secured our joy. He is continuing to work for our joy. That's a reason to rejoice. But I want to ask you a question. If it were possible... To draw blood and look for the presence of joy in your life. Don't hear this as guilt. Guilt is a horrible motivator. And they tested for the presence of joy. How much would show up in your test results? Again, don't hear this as guilt. Joy is a good thing. God wants you to have it in Christ. He took no chances to make sure that the joy that Christ secured for you is available to you, but we still have to lay hold of it. What is it today that's robbing your joy? That's getting in between you and a look at the Savior. Who is your joy? I want to encourage you. The strongest, most encouraging way that I can Lay hold of the joy in Christ. Pursue it with all your heart. It's found in Him. Look to Him. Glory in Him. Revel in Him. Desire Him. And you will have joy.
Father, we thank you that there is joy in our Savior. Lord, if I had to be truthful, I, I might say that the joy test might come back rather low for me. But I'd rather know the truth about myself and the truth about my Savior so that I can have some hope. And the truth is, He made the way for me to experience joy in Him. He desires for me to come to Him and find my all in all in Him. And I pray that for us, Lord, that we would come to our Savior and be filled with joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And Lord, when times get rough and tough and we get tore down, that joy, that joy in our Savior will sustain us and we will shine like lights in a crooked and perverse world. And people will look at us and not glorify us, but glorify our Father who is in heaven. Lord, may it ever be so. In Christ Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. We're going to sing this morning, What Child Is This? And I want to encourage you, if this is a moment in your life, like the shepherds, they said, let us go now and see this thing that the angels have told us. It says they went with haste. God is calling unto you. Make haste. Today is the day of salvation. Any decision you need to make during this time, please feel free to make it. for just a moment give you a few prayer updates Barbara had her surgery on Tuesday went well she's home uh, she's surviving Roddy's help now I think she, she's been doing well Roman's been with her uh, Angela's there now um, you know she's just got a, got a ways to go with a double knee replacement so pray pray for Barbara um do you have any update on your mom? Okay. Brenda Dawson had um, part of her colon removed, correct? And they removed some cancer, and um, she's recovering well. <clears throat> um, I do want to pass along to you, um, you know, last Sunday morning we prayed for John and Mary Catherine. For John and Mary Catherine, definitely, and Eddie May. Um, but Mary Catherine and Eddie left last Monday morning and headed to Kenya, and as far as I know, they made it just fine, but uh, they have either stomach flu or some food poisoning, and it's kind of set their agenda back a bit, and so um, I received word of that this morning through Pam Garcia, who asked me to, Mary Catherine said, when Brother Shannon does prayer requests at the end of the service, please pray for us. So keep them in your prayers. Um, I don't know any other updates off the top of my Oh, actually, Will is doing better. Will Shannon was on, uh, or he's been on our prayer list for a long time. I uh, was having some problems, and it was, was it COVID? No, it was just breathing issues. He, his oxygen level got down really, really, really low, uh, but he is making improvements. So continue to pray for Will Shannon. Any other prayer updates or prayer requests you'd like to pass along? Um, I did want to take 
this time at the end of the service in, in prayer and, and pray for the folks that were affected by the storms. So I uh, do want to ask you to join with me in that. Uh, before I say this prayer, Aaron, because we have a lot of extra labor around here, would you like some labor to help clear the stage for the program? All right, if you're interested in helping um, set the stage tonight for the Christmas program, Aaron would greatly appreciate it. So if you'll just come up here after the service is over and she'll direct traffic. So if you would, please, let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer. <clears throat> and then we will say the Great Commission together and we'll be dismissed. Father, we do thank you that uh, we can turn to you and know uh, that the storms that passed through the affected areas a few nights ago uh, were not uh, news to you. You didn't have to wake up in the morning and fire up your computer and uh, pull up your favorite news site in order to know. You, you, you were there. And I know that there are people um, that even today would be able to say, I saw the Lord work in this way. This should have happened and it didn't. Um, all the ways that, that you have shown yourself to people. And even today, Lord, as churches have met, continue to meet, as people serve and minister to one another in the name of Christ, um, we know that you are there working. Uh, we pray for those affected areas that they would be able to recover quickly, that needs would be met. We pray that there would be great coordination between uh, people who want to help, that the help that is needed is provided quickly. We pray for those that uh, are restoring power and utilities, things like that. <clears throat> pray, God, for churches um, as they uh, gather together and consider how they can help and how they mobilize help. We pray for the disaster relief organizations, uh, Samaritan's Purse and uh, Southern Baptist, um, the various organizations that we have, that those, would, um, those folks would serve in the strength of the Lord and that you would give them opportunity as it arises uh, to share the love of Christ and the, and the gospel of Christ with people who need to hear it. And Father, um, for families that lost someone in the storms, we pray that you would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus with the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we love you. We pray that those that were affected by this storm could from a full heart, even though it's broken, be able to say, Lord, we love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore.